Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> You're listening. Oh. You're, You're listening, listening to. <laughs> You're listening to discourse. 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 From from NPR. NPR. Amaranek Public Radio. Hi, this is Katie Holton from Amaranek Public Radio. Our guest today in the studio is the MHS concert band teacher Tim Hooker. In this conversation, we will learn about Mr. Hooker's personal music-related experiences going all the way back to his childhood, how he got into the music business, and ultimately, teaching. You may know Mr. Hooker as a band teacher, a conductor for the MHS musical, the coach of the girls' varsity tennis team, or maybe even as a storyteller if you know him well enough. He is a kind-hearted, patient, and very understanding man. These qualities are quite necessary to lead many musicians with different personalities, abilities, and learning styles. He has conducted for 23 years, but that's not the point. He is full of elaborate stories, and his lifelong involvement in music has led him down paths he never knew he would venture on. Here's our conversation from Wednesday, October 16th. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Mr. Hooker. I'd like to talk to you today about your musical experiences starting from childhood on to now. I guess we could go back to, uh, so when I was your age in high school, uh, I was in a different music program. So concert band, jazz band, uh, we had marching band, and then we had things called variety shows where you'd play in other people's bands if they wanted, or I'd accompany uh, singers and different people, you know. I got turned on to music pretty young through uh, my grandparents were from Europe and they would play like a lot of Celtic instruments, bagpipes and and things that you'd hear over in Scotland and Ireland and England. And then I had older brothers that had bands, so they would practice at our house because that's where everybody came. So, uh, so I would watch that. Uh, my father was a big jazz swing era person. So he would turn me on to Duke Ellington, Count Basie, uh, the Dorsey Brothers, Glenn Miller Orchestra. And then my oldest brother took me to see anybody um, that that was out there touring that he thought was good. So it could be a blues person, B.B. King, or a pop artist like uh, Linda Ronstadt or Bonnie Raitt. I actually, funny little piece, but my older brothers were all altar boys at the church. They all had, uh, they were all in Boy Scouts. They all took swim lessons. But by the time I came along, uh, there was no altar boy, no swim lessons. And the music lesson piece, my parents were worn out by the time I came along. (laughs) But I actually had to approach my mother one day and said, I think I'd like to join the band. You know, it looks like a lot of fun. And, and so she said, oh, really, honey? I didn't, I didn't know that. So she called the band director that night, actually. I remember in the kitchen. And I got put on a waiting list and uh, waited a few months until he came down and asked me to come audition. So I played a tune called Up on Cripple Creek and for the band director. And he said, okay, you're in, you know. So that's kind of how it got going. And then when I was your age, I auditioned for a group. Back then, covers were really big. So I auditioned for a cover band called Asbury Park. And 
most of the people in the band are in their mid-20s. So I was the youngest in the band. I was 17. So I passed the audition. I had to learn like 30 tunes and play a lot of party, feel-good kind of Jersey Shore music, like like Bruce Springsteen, uh, what they call like anthem tunes. The whole place would go you know, crazy. And we played some really fun, big clubs. We used to play these very large nightclubs. Uh, one was in um, New Haven, Connecticut called uh, the Agora Ballroom, which was this massive nightclub. And we would play a lot of the universities, uh, local uh, universities, uh, Stony Brook University, Wagner College. And then I also did the other side of that. I did some small combo stuff and would play. I was kind of doing the in the school music program stuff. So I would play West Side Story, Sound of Music, Oklahoma. But then like on the weekends and nights, I might be playing somewhere else. And like you with uh, your love of sports, I also was kind of trying to juggle that too, because I, I had three older brothers. And so it was a lot of like baseball bats and soccer balls and hockey sticks and and was it hard juggling sports and music or yeah prioritize one over the other well it's funny I I had a passion for both Uh, my father loved the New York Yankees so he would take us into batting practice and watch the Yankees and so I got turned on to baseball and watching my older brothers, when I was little, I thought that was the coolest thing to see them put on these uniforms and, and everything as a little kid, as a little boy, was just pretty fascinating. Um, so I kind of wanted to do that. But you know what was hard when I did get to high school, the music people and the phys ed people, two different worlds, and they didn't want to know the other world existed. So my band director wanted no part of hearing that I had baseball practice. And the sports people could care less about music. When I went over to sports, there was nobody there that I recognized from the music department. But so I I, I made it work the best I could. And uh, sometimes I was penalized. Uh, the baseball coach would, would bench me if I was late. And the band director I had uh, was very strict. He was a former Marine. Uh, so he, he never, there was no, it was just his way or no way, you know? So, so that was difficult, but I did manage to do both. I have some questions about the, um, the cover band that you were talking about. How do you think that playing with those older boys helped you? Or do you think they taught you things that you wouldn't have realized on your own? Yeah, absolutely. I I try to say this to our own people here in Mamaroneck, you know, if each experience you play in you get something from it. So if you play with a bunch of like 17 or 18 year olds, that's wonderful. But if you play with like a little 10 or 12 year old kids and you're tutoring them, you also kind of learn something about like what what the young people like and do they like fast songs? Do they like loud? Does it, do they like repetitive lines? And when you play with older people, uh, they push you in certain directions as well. So I like that band, I learned a lot in style, laying down things, playing in the term that you hear a lot in jazz, but playing in the pocket, like really laying down a great groove and and also learning how to like play in front of large, you know, crowds of a thousand plus people. And a lot of times I would open the show. So I would play first and then other members would come out. And the reason I think they did that was the, um, the talent agent that was running us wanted to make sure the sound was really good. So I learned a lot with that, not rushing, taking that excitement, that that quick heartbeat that you have before a gig, you know, and trying to channel it into um, making positive, really good music. 
And I had to move quick too. We would learn a lot of tunes and we had a big tour truck and uh, roadies and sound people. Um, but we had to learn the tunes quickly. Like they would say, you know, we need these songs for next weekend. So it forced me to learn stuff yeah. quickly and find out, you know, this is the bridge on this tune and that kind of stuff. But to be real is um, my parents were kind of really old school and they said, you know, if you come home and, you know, you smell like alcohol or, or, or weed or whatever, uh, we're going to have to talk about whether you should do this or not. And so I had to promise them that I was around a lot of stuff. Uh, and back then you could smoke in clubs. So your clothes smelled like smoke, but I had to promise that I wasn't actually smoking. Uh, back then the drinking age was 18, but I would never want to enjoy having a beer and then playing. And musicians I know too that would play and they had to be a certain way. They'd have like two or three uh, tangeray and tonic drinks before they'd go on. And uh, so my parents were cool. I explained to them that I was around this stuff, but didn't do it. With this group, were there any performances that particularly stick out in your mind? We played a club in the Hamptons that got washed away. And there was a, there was a nor'easter, a really bad nor'easter hit eastern Long Island and unlike anything before and it knocked out and it knocked out a lot of clubs on the ocean and that's one of the memorable clubs that we played was fourth of july weekend you know oh. thousands of people out on the deck dancing um, people parachuting down from planes and landing oh, on the wow. club like a club owner would say how many people are you going to bring in the door and what are you going to play and that's kind of how they marketed you. But then you also knew like we were going to get a crowd that was going to like to dance. So that would be one. And, and a New Year's Eve gig I did in Brooklyn with the same band. It was, uh, you know, packed and people danced basically the whole night till three in the morning, you know. And some of those things were tough, you know, at the end, even though I didn't pack up and didn't have anything to do with the sound and the lighting boards. It'd be hard. Uh, trying to decompress and and save your energy. I'm glad I I did it at the time. It were, it was really nerve wracking, you know, learning all these tunes, and everyone. And I know the Hamptons, a ton of really wealthy people go there. Celebrities go there. Did yeah. these performances ever lead you to meet any celebrities? Yes, I've met. Yeah, I met a lot of celebrities through this. You never know who's out there, like you know, when you're playing. So, through playing music, sometimes like there was this one woman there. Her father owned like coffee bean plantations in South America and traded major artworks. And they lived in a town called Watermill, which is right after Southampton before you get to Bridgehampton. Mm -hmm. And she was at one of these gigs and said, you know, uh, w w you know, we'd love for you to play a party we're going to have at our place. And that evolved into, it's a kind of a network of people. Um, you play for somebody, they like it. And then someone's there and the next thing you know, you're playing a whole bunch of places because um, they have friends who have friends and talk, you know. So yeah, uh, a bunch of different people out, uh, some people you may never have heard of and then some maybe, oh yeah, but G.E. Smith was somebody, uh, he was the lead guitar player. He's played with Dylan, Van Morrison, Hall & Oates. He was the band leader on Saturday Night Live for many years. Met him, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, writer. Uh, met him at a party in Sacaponic. Marissa Tomei, um, she's on a Broadway show now, was in My Cousin Vinny. Tony Randall, uh, Renee Zellweger. It's all. It's just all through being in these places, yeah. you know. Um, Melanie Griffith, who is uh, the mother of... But yeah, a lot, a lot of celebrities, a lot of uh, seeing them in a relaxed atmosphere, you know, just with their hair down, just chilling out, yeah. you know. 
Um, so yeah, music's allowed me to yeah meet different people and and be in places I would never be in. Um, yeah. These these gigs that you've had in the Hamptons and was it with the same group or did you transfer? Or... Yeah, some people wanted different types of groups, so uh, so they'd say, you know, could we have a trio at this? So. I did whatever they wanted. I think I mentioned to you, uh, we, we played at Pele's house. Yeah. And so I didn't cool. know it was Pele's house. I just, you know, you get a phone call. Music business is weird, you know. You get a call like, hey, there's this gig, you know, can you do it? And it's like, yeah, okay, where is it? Well, and then you get there and all, it's this magnificent place on the water and there's ice sculptures of dolphins and, you know. And then I find out who's, you know, who, whose house is this? And it's Pele's. Oh, I'm like, okay. Another question I have is um, how do these past gigs and like playing, kind of being like self-sufficient and like spreading your name, I guess, um, how does it, affect you and like how you help younger musicians like start their own music careers you know you have to fail in order to succeed in these different types of things you hear you know there's so much truth in that uh, like I'll try to offer advice just like like do a sound check get to the get to the place early find out what the acoustics are like because I've shown up at places where it's really poppy and loud and a lot of echo and it's like how are we going to deal with this because this or an owner making you wait to get paid on a gig but maybe once or twice doing like a benefit gig and the person in charge of the whole thing stiffed everybody stiffed the mm -hmm. caterers the bartenders the musicians and just left town and you wouldn't think that because you're in this 20 million dollar house on the yeah. ocean but i do try to share with them yeah get you know learn your, your music be really tight with it. Uh, do some tests, you know, testing out on some audience. Check out music, how it's received. If it falls flat, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. And also hard thing is being underappreciated. Um, you know, music somewhere has sold itself out and people, I don't think people realize what it takes for something to be really good. Yeah, and it's like people don't, I, I think a lot of people don't get invested in music to the point where they realize they, they maybe dabble in it. You know, oh, I sung in my uh, church choir. I sung in my synagogue. I did this. I did this at the school. But they don't get past a certain point. And when you get past that certain point with anything, really, like art, uh, writing, music, sports, that's when you realize, whoa, that other 10% of what you're trying to do that's the beast of the of the thing. It's that getting that, you know, really perfecting it to where it's like, wow. Uh, but people make it look easy. Um, you know, I, I am in touch with quite a few alumni from the last close to 25 years from uh, here and, and other schools I've worked at. It's just, mm -hmm. I think it's just the nature of what it is. Music is such an emotional thing. I think, yeah, you know, you're connected. Sure. You know, when people talk about things in their lives, a lot of times they can remember a song they were listening to. Uh, or a mood that they got through music, and so I think, uh, so I think some of my relationships with students have have been maybe a little deeper than because of because uh, I think music touches us in different ways. So obviously, music has been playing such a strong role throughout your life. Mm. So have you ever kind of fell back on music as like a support system during hard times, or just? if you were stressed out during school or something like that? Yeah, music, um, 
It's funny. I, I say it can be like medicine, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I use music a lot. Uh, when I feel good, I, want, I put on stuff that's pumped up, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan or something. But I also love listening to something that's soothing and beautiful and takes me to, you know, a little stream in the mountains. And all of a sudden I'm in this other place and, and playing music for me. Um, I don't do it that much anymore, but I used to go to Vermont and a bunch of musicians that I've played with over the years would meet in Vermont. And they'd come from Houston, from Denver, uh, Los Angeles, California, New Orleans. And we would meet in Vermont and we would ski and we'd ski for a couple of days, but then we'd play music every night. My final question for today would be, how did you become involved in teaching music? Yeah, that's that's funny. I know. It's funny how uh, this is what I try to share with my own daughters, uh, that life takes different turns, you know. So I thought I was going to play music. You know, that that really felt great for me, you know. So I loved gigging and stuff. It was my mother uh, that I owe that to. It's Kathleen's work, believe it or not. She's behind the scene and a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's the one that said, you know, this playing is great, but so do you want to? And I said, I think I just want to play. And she said, well, you know, you should look into music education because if the playing doesn't work, you can have that to go, she said, fall back on. And, uh, but I said, you know, mom, I, I don't even know what to say to kids. Like, you know, what, what, what is that? You know, like, and I was the youngest of four, so I w- wasn't really around young people. So it kind of evolved through conversations with other musicians and conversations with some of the people that were older than me, uh, talking about, you know, look, you're young, like maybe you should think about this playing thing, but after college, you know, that's kind of how it evolved. So, yeah, so that's kind of how that evolved. And, uh, and I laugh because my best friend became a plastic surgeon and, uh, he and I were going through it together. And I said, what makes you think, you know, you can sew somebody up, you know, and deal with it. And he was like, well, what makes you think you can talk to a 14 year old? And I'm like, (laughs) And we both looked at each other and I'm like, you got a point. I have no idea, (laughs) you know, and uh, it's crazy. It's, this is my 35th year of teaching high school. Like, you know, and I've taught in five different high schools. I love working in the Marinick um, because there's such a variety of, of people of, of interests and, and backgrounds. And it makes it really cool for the arts because you never know what you can do with something because there's so many different ways to look at it. And so to me, it keeps it fresh and exciting. So, All right. Well, that's all I have for today, Mr. Hooker. It's been a really interesting conversation and I've learned a lot more about you. So thank you so much for coming in and have a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kate. Yeah.